need to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee and subscribe and save right now to the delicious CBD Strava Craft Coffee and you'll get 20% off your purchase. I'm Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Ryan Koningsberg. Andrew Mason is going to join us soon. And before we get that breakdown from Ryan on what happened and the first pad of practice from Broncos, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. And as this whole world has gone remote, just like us right here, MSU Denver has already mastered the art of online learning. So make sure to check them out over at msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. My boy, Ryan, what is up from Dove Valley? How's it going? It's great, man. It's great to be out here. I have to say it was tough not, you know, being the third guy. I'd, you know, I hit third. I decided to go in the uh, in the Charlie Blackman role here. And uh, it was tough watching you guys. Uh, you guys go here without me. It's great to be out here today. And as I tweeted out, I, I got to live my pandemic long dream of watching Jerry Judy run routes in person. And so tell me, did it live up to all of your dreams these past uh, four months? Yeah, it was that and more. Zach, it's unbelievable um, how much separation that this kid can create in such a short amount of time. Uh, you know, he runs a slant late in the practice. I think it's the last period of practice. He runs a slant and Drew Law kind of sidearms it uh, around a defensive lineman and it hits Jerry Judy in stride. And I, I, you know, I tweeted this out. It was half sarcastic, but half true. I, I tried to look and see, like, who did Jerry Judy beat in coverage? I wanted to include that in my tweet. I, I don't know who the closest receiver or the closest corner was to him. Like, he's that he's that elusive in, in a phone booth. He breaks you off so quick and gets open so quickly. It's just it, – it's absurd. Man, that – so I take it that Drew Locke had a little more time today than yesterday in order to let Jerry Judy have those routes develop, even if they were just quick slants? Yeah, you know, I thought the offensive line did a pretty darn good job today. Uh, there were a few times where he was under pressure, but uh, I don't think he got sacked one time or even, you know, training camp sacked. Um, he did a really good job of kind of moving around, but he didn't have to uh, get rid of it that quickly most of the time. There was one play early in practice where he had a low snap from Austin Schlotman, and he kind of had to look up and Luckily, Noah Fant was coming on a crosser right away, and he just dumped it off to him before, you know, and it, things kind of went wild. But uh, I, I thought the offensive line, it, it, you know, from what what we heard from you yesterday and how much they struggled, it, it was a, it must have been a really good bounce back practice for them today. I, I assume they took that kind of personally how off they were yesterday and uh, and they came out and did a good job protecting Drew today. 
Well, I do think it's important to notice some trends going on. The offensive line was fine on Friday, from what I understand, from what Mace told us. Austin Schlotman was the starting center then. I believe he was the starting center again today. Is that right, Ryan? That is correct. And uh, yesterday it was Patrick Morris. I'm not putting an entire offensive line performance it's on all one. on Patrick on Morris. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But uh, it is interesting to follow those trends. And, of course, Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry – for a third straight day, was he running with the twos again? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, for the most part. Um, and, and you have to imagine that he's going to get elevated up. I know that's a huge, huge question that a lot of people ask me in my mentions. They're asking it probably on here. Uh, and it's got to happen eventually. Um, to me, this is the, still a team that's operating with two backups on their offensive line. I think when all is said and done, it's going to be Lloyd Cushenberry. It's going to be DeMar Dotson on the right side. And so until then, I'm going to actually hold judgment, give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and, you know, when you mix that with a good performance today, with, you know, you you should be encouraged, I think. And then you think of Austin Slotman and you make that good point, Zach, that, you know, two days now the offense, that the offensive line has had nice days. He's been in the center of that. Um, as much as you and I and probably a lot of people think that, that Lloyd Cushberry is a shoe-in, if Austin Slotman, you know, the guy who's, being given the veteran nod here goes and takes that job and runs with it it's going to be hard for Lloyd Cushenberry to run and take it and I think most coaches if they have a, a veteran I'm putting that in quotes because it's not like Austin Schlotman's been playing for years and years but if they have a veteran that they could trust and they can actually give a rookie some time to learn I think they'd actually prefer it that way so you know it's I don't think I think it's a little too early to talk about Austin Schlotman you know taking the job and running away with it uh, but you stack good days one after another out here in training camp. That's what it's all about. Uh, and if he continues to do that, I think, you know, it's going to be tough for Lord Cushenberry to jump in there. Well, and that's what Vic said after practice, too. He said this is way too early to decide who's in the lead right now. They're rotating. Cushenberry hasn't even got a shot. But, Ryan, you're right. If Austin Schlotman takes this job and runs with it, that would only be a good thing for the Broncos. It would mean that he took that pretty ginormous step up from last year. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've always thought he was a solid player. He's someone you wanted to keep around when you're, when you're going through your roster and you're looking for who you're going to cut. You usually don't, you know, you don't cut Austin Schlotman. Uh, and, and that's been about the best we could say about him going up into this point. But, you know, again, we talk about Drew Locke at the end of uh, last season and the cast of characters that he was running behind back there. Austin Schlotman was one of those guys. And Austin Schlotman's one of those guys who you didn't end up coming away saying, oh, my God. God, that guy, you know, is a mess back there and Drew Locke has no chance. So maybe he takes that opportunity that he had, uh, builds on it. He obviously built some goodwill with uh, uh, with Mike Munchak, with Vic Fangio. I know Munch likes him. Uh, so, you know, this is what it's these guys deserve opportunities. You you draft you bring these guys in as undrafted free agents. You draft them for a reason. You got to give them a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ryan, if I understand right, Vic did a little thing different in practice today. Instead of ones going up against ones and twos against twos, threes against threes, was the first team offense going up, second team defense, and vice versa? Yeah, and that's what I was going to get to as the headline here is about Drew Locke lighting it up. There is a small asterisk, uh, <laughs> which is fitting as the Avs and Nuggets are uh, in the playoffs and Nuggets playing as we speak, go Nugs. Um, there's a small asterisk on what Drew Locke did today, but you know what? There was a time, Zach, when you, you used to have 
Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch with the ones going against the twos. And the whole narrative was, oh, man, that first team defense has just been smoking them every single day. We got to give these guys a break and let them and let them gain some confidence. Like literally like a, you know, a third grader uh, going to like a social skills class, you know, just trying to get them some confidence. (laughs) And this is not that. And to be honest, Usually when we have those days, Zach, where it was uh, the ones with with one of those guys against the twos, we ended up saying, yeah, they looked good. Uh, It wasn't exactly, uh, you know, a carving show. And that's what this was. Um, You know, Drew Locke threw down the prime rib, got out the knife and and just started carving it up. Um, Was it juicy on the inside? Yeah, juices everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Judy was carving them up, huh? (laughs) Yes, uh, exactly. You know. Cortland Sutton was probably the wide receiver of the day, despite Jerry Judy having a couple flashes. Um, you can really tell the chemistry that's built between Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. And, and you, you assume Jerry Judy will get there eventually, but it's evident that Drew and Cortland have been together for an extended period of time now. And uh, he just trusts him. You know, there's a moment in seven on seven where there's just nothing really there. And Drew Locke looks over and he sees he's got Isaac Yadam on Cortland Sutton. And he's just like, yeah, that's my choice. Like, I'm just going to throw it over there. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Court didn't come down with that one. But it's you can see the trust there. The very first play of 11-on-11, 11 11, Drew drops back. And there's a lot of traffic in the middle of the field. You know, this wasn't a uh, an open scenario. But he lofts it over the linebackers, under the safeties, Mm. Uh, Cortland had, had beat his man and it just dropped right in. And the funny thing is, as soon as it left Drew's hand, I kind of, I was like, oh no, because it just, it looked like it, there was too much air under it for how much traffic was in that area. And even all the guys on the defensive sideline started yelling pick. Like they just, you know, you see a, a floaty ball going into traffic uh, and everyone, you know, thinks they're about to get a pick and it just drops right in the bucket for Cortland. Uh, and, and they were kind of off and running from there. Later in the practice, uh, they, they had a great little play action, sucked in the safeties. Cortland on a little flag route. Drew didn't throw the best ball of the day, but just put it in a spot where, where Court could go up and get it. And that's what, you know, that's what we've been talking about for so long. Just give, put it in a spot where he can go up and get it. You're, you are literally never in the NFL going to have a, a, a matchup with Cortland Sutton that you don't like in terms of putting the ball up in the air. Uh, and him going up and getting it. He's six foot four, you know, like no one even comes close to that when it comes to secondary uh, players in the NFL. So I love to see the relationship between those two budding. Uh, Drew got the tight ends involved a bit today. Jake Butt, again, looked looked good out there. Um, so, yes, was it ones versus twos? Of course, but you got to take that and run with it. You got to you have to go out there and dominate. Uh, I think Drew started six of seven throwing the ball. Like he went out there and dominated. That's what you need to do when you're going against those guys. Uh, and I think that's how you take a practice like this and actually turn it into the, that momentum that we used to be talking about when, when guys like, uh, you know, Trevor and Paxson were back there. Yeah, exactly. That's great to hear. Now, Ryan, on the flip side, was it the same? Was the first team defense carving up the second team offense? I got to be honest, like, no. Um, (laughs) I guess it was a little, there was nothing flashy. Uh, You didn't have picks. You didn't have a lot of sacks. Um, You had them stuffing some runs, but Levante Bellamy did get loose a couple times. 
uh, and you know, he, he looks like he he need, he needs a better number to me. Like he just 30, doesn't. Thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two does not <laughs> fit him. It makes him look slower. It, he's got like you know saggy sleeves out there. I'm not gonna lie. I thought I said, "Who is this fullback out here yes. lining up at running back?" Yes, and he's not even big, but that number for some reason just <laughs> makes him look like that. Uh, but other than that, man, he looked good. Um, it's funny, Zach, when you're not out. I don't know when you when we've been away from the team for so long, it just changes your perspective on so much. Like we've we've haven't talked about certain guys in so long that you get out here and you're like that guy's still on the team. <laughs> and, and that's how I feel about Royce Freeman. Like you just see him out there and you're like, Oh yeah, Roy, that's Royce 28 still here. Okay. Um, <laughs> like I'll just name off some guy, Demarcus Walker. I was like, Oh, Demarcus yeah. Walker's still around. Um, <laughs> certain guys, I don't know. You, you just see them and, and we were so used to being with these guys through OTAs through mini camp. Like you, you remember who's here. You just come out here for the first time in months since you've seen these guys. And a bunch of these guys are just like, you know, hanging around. I feel so bad for, uh, for Juwan Winfrey because exactly what happened to him in his college career is starting to happen to him in his NFL career. Super talented kid, really smart, great route runner. Just can't get healthy. Um, so, you know, and, and he's got Tyree Cleveland out there gunning for his job. And uh, so I, it was interesting just being out here and just getting refreshed with with the team. But to go back to your your initial question, I I kind of wish I would have seen more dominance uh, from the the first team defense going up against the second team offense. It's not like Jeff Driscoll was out there carving up. I still thought he was Kevin Hogan for seventy eight percent of the practice, <laughs> which is not a compliment. Uh, so you know, keep that in mind. But it it just didn't it didn't feel like they were incapable of doing anything because they were going up against a wall. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And that's certainly something that, that we're going to follow now, Ryan pads on, that means you can evaluate running backs at least a little better. what did you see between Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon? I assume. Oh yes, yes, yes. Of course. <laughs> it's not Royce Freeman. <laughs> uh, well, Phil got the first carry of the day, which I think uh, is not nothing. Um, and he also probably had the carry of the day, uh, a little bit of a, a, a zone concept, that one cut that Broncos fans probably just love to see that so much. And Phil had it go into the right, bam, hit that right foot, went back to the left, had the whole team oohing and on, uh, because he hit it so hard and just exploded through the hole and, and went off for a big gain. And that was probably, uh, the biggest run of the day. Uh, Melvin had a couple nice plays, a couple nice runs, but I would say, uh, uh, you know, you're right that you get a little bit of a better evaluation once these guys come out here with pads. I, I thought Phil definitely had a little extra pep in his step, and I think that's probably what you're going to see throughout this training camp is like, you know, Phil is a one-gear guy. Um, he only knows how to go his hardest, and especially with a, a little bit of competition under his nose, he's probably going to turn that up even harder. I didn't necessarily get that vibe from Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon is a guy who, you know, knows that he can ball, uh, knows that he just needs to get his body ready when for, you know, come week one and is not exactly out here trying to, I don't know. I, I don't want to say not trying to take every carry to the house, but just 
maybe not trying to send a message with every carry. And I just think that's all Phil knows. He's trying to send a message with every single carry. Uh, and, you know, uh, Todd Davis uh, clipped him pretty hard on a little crossing route. And, of course, it gets up and, you know, they get in each other's face and then they slapped hands. But uh, Phil just – he just goes. Like, he's he's so high motor. He's so high energy. And I think it's going to be kind of difficult for Melvin Gordon to look better than Philip Lindsay in a training camp practice. So from what you just said, all of that sounds like Melvin Gordon easily had the better day between the two of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It looks like we have Mason here. So let's bring on our guy here. You know, the comment section has been just begging uh, for Mace ever since we started here. So let's bring on Mace. Uh, it has because uh, I, I see my boys, my boys, my boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mace, do I need to do I need to welcome you properly, my boy? Hey, how are you guys? Hopefully, the connection will not cause me to lose my cool and exasperation the way I did. Yet, oh, in already got comment <laughs> referring to that great that great moment yesterday. So, yeah, you know, it's funny to hear you talk about Phil and Melvin RK because I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they're showing things a little bit differently because uh, like the style of runner, of course, that they are is different. And when Melvin kind of gets going and he gets in and he gets into full gallop, it's almost kind of like he's gliding sometimes because he's he runs up, right. And he's got that kind of long stride. So sometimes with Melvin, and this goes back to even watching him at Wisconsin behind that offensive line, I think it almost looks a little effortless to him at times when he's out there. You know what I'm saying? When he get once he gets into fifth gear and through that hole, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely see what you're saying, uh, and man, it it's it's only going to be good. I mean, that this is only going to make Philip Lindsay even better because Ryan he always has that fire, that chip on his shoulder, but now he's just going to really have that every single day. Yeah, no, Melvin looks good. You know, it's not to take anything away from him. He can he can cruise, and I like that word glide. Uh, I noticed that with him. I noticed a bit with Jerry Judy, and and that's a good characteristic to have. Um, but like I said, it's just you know I think that you know certain veterans approach training camp in different ways. Uh, and today, and and maybe it's been different for you guys when you've been out here. Today, it just felt like uh, Melvin Gordon is a guy who likes to treat training camp as a as a way to get his body ready to get into shape and that sort of thing. Whereas Philip Lindsay is just, you know, he's he's uh, a man on a mission every time he gets the ball in his hands. Well, it makes sense from what Melvin said yesterday. Melvin said he's still getting to the, the altitude. Uh, so maybe he literally is just getting his body ready for the season in that sense. That's a great point, Zach. I, I, I agree with you there. And it sort of co- it comes with six years of experience, having been a bell cow back. And uh, uh, even though he didn't, have as much work at Wisconsin as, as Monte Ball when they did put him out there in 2014, the last campaign before he turned pro. He was a heavy workload guy. So this is somebody who, you know, for the last six years or so, has had to focus on saying, okay, how do I make sure I'm doing the work I need to do, but that I am still in the kind of shape that allows me to flourish in November and December rather than just getting out there in September and kind of petering out. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a lack of effort on Melvin's part. I think it's just that he, he knows what he needs to do to make sure that he doesn't fade down the stretch. It's, it's part of the maturity that comes with being a pretty seasoned pro at all, at all of this. Just, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Ryan, I need uh, an O-pop and a D-pop. 
an offensive player <laughs> of practice and the defensive player of practice? Offensive player of practice, I'll probably go with Drew Locke. Uh, he was just really crisp, man. You know, the way the ball flies out of his hand from sideline to sideline is is art sometimes. Uh, the, the, just the, the spiral so tight. He was really crisp. He hit everything that was open. I, I don't really think he missed any open throws today. I thought he was really good. So that, that one's pretty easy for me. Defensive player of the practice. You know, I'm not. I, to be honest, no one is. It, no one necessarily jumped out to me. Um, There's a few guys out there. Let me see if I can look through my notes and see. Uh, you know, I, uh, Marcus Walker had a nice play on a screen. Um, some, a few of the defensive linemen got in there and and you know blocked up some runs. But I, 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 I don't know if anyone deserves it. I, I don't know if I'm going to hand it out to, to someone uh, who didn't des- to, who didn't earn it. I don't know. If, you can't just be handing out D pops. Okay, so who had sacks that or plays that would have been sacks in game conditions, and who had takeaways? Let's start there. As far as if we're maybe not say a D pop defensive player practice, but just guys who did make plays at various points. Uh, no turnovers. So I, I no, no one on that uh, account. And then a sack. I, I want to say I think Derek Tuska had a sack. I wrote down in my notes Derek Tuska. Because he he just looks like a tough guy out there, man. I, I I like the way that he approaches things, and I love to see that you know thirty minutes after practice ended, uh, Von Miller, Malik Reed, almost said Malik Jackson, and Derek Tuska hey, were out there getting extra work. So uh, you know maybe I maybe I, I give it to one of those guys, um, but I just I got to be honest, you know you call it the deep pop, no one popped. <laughs> wow that's uh that's something that i want to see change these next couple of days especially if the first team defense goes up against the second team offense because of what i saw yesterday from the second team offense outside of uh the receivers that are playing with that group there there wasn't much to be impressed about so we definitely want to see especially going up the second teamers that this first team pop i need some plays i need some turnovers yeah, no turnovers was uh, was interesting, at, to say the least, um, unless I missed something. Uh, Troy, did I miss any turnovers today? You got you got a defensive player of the practice? Ryan checking in with Troy Rank from Channel 7 right now. <laughs> Troy's giving him a good report right now. Yeah, yeah this, is a, this is great uh, broadcasting right now, by the way. <laughs> He's, hey. he, he agreed with me. He said Vaughn and Chubb were good early, but, you know, as against second-string offensive linemen, interior of the defensive line made some plays. That's kind of what I was saying. Like, there were some plays out there. Our guy Nick Cosminer says Todd Davis had a good day. So, you know, pick your poison. And, and Vaughn was having his way with the first team right tackles on Friday as, as well. So it stands, it stands to reason that uh, he would – flourish against the second team, especially because you see Elijah Wilkinson and Jake Rogers kind of shuffling back and forth, back and forth. Now the question I have for you, DeMar Dotson did get out there with the third team today. Did you notice him when he was out there and how he looked physically? Yeah. I mean, he handled himself very well. He looked like a, a starting right tackle playing with the third teamer. So <laughs> he was doing just fine over there. So uh, that was nice to see. It's just a matter of time. Like, you know, like I see, like I'll see Elijah Wilkinson get beat over there and I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't matter. Like he's, he's a backup. Yeah. Um, so that's, 
that's where I'm at on that. I think it'll be nice to see Dotson slowly work his way up, but he definitely looked like he belonged out there. That's for sure. Or maybe he didn't belong out there with the threes. Yeah. Just... I, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am as well. I mean, I, it's nothing against Elijah and Jake Rogers, but I, I just want to sleep well at night. And I think the Broncos want to sleep well at night. And again, you're not going to get world beating play out DeMar Dotson, but you don't have to worry about him getting totally shredded out there against some elite pass rushers repeatedly. I, the sooner they get him on the first team, the better, I think. It just, when, it, it, oh, what were we going to say, Ryan? Oh, no, you go ahead and then I'll finish off. I was just going to say, when it comes to this right tackle situation, just don't overthink it. You have one guy who is a a quality swing tackle in Elijah Wilkinson uh, as a backup. You have another guy who you just signed that's a starter. Boom. There you go. And Ryan, one of the things you said was you're excited to see him, you know, slowly work his way up. I think that's what's going to happen. But I just want to correct that and say, quickly work his (laughs) way up, Broncos. Come on. Yeah, don't. Yeah. There's no reason to waste time on this. It's the same thing with Jerry Judy. Like, I, this this stuff drives me crazy. There's an old quote from uh, the the former longtime athletic director at Florida, Jeremy Foley, and it sums up, I think, what we all feel. What will be done eventually must be done immediately. Period. Just stop messing around. Get the best guys out there on the ones. Get them learning and growing together. Absolutely. So, uh, the stubbornness of of coaches can be frustrating. Ryan, before we stop messing around on this pod, I need to know final thoughts from this practice. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going through my notes, and one guy that that stood out to me that we haven't talked about yet uh, is Nick Vanette. Um, I just, it's unfair. It's totally, you know, stereotyping. I was, I just assumed he would just be a Jeff Hireman. Like, I'm just like, oh, I'm just, you'll look out there, and there'll just be a guy, a different number, who will just do Jeff Hireman things. Like, it took me about. 47 seconds to be like, oh, that guy is better than Jeff Hireman. Um, he moves better than Jeff Hireman. He looks bigger than Jeff Hireman. He looks stronger than Jeff Hireman. So I feel like it, it was just too easy to say like, oh, it's a one-to-one replacement. You know, you're just trading Jeff Hireman for Nick Vanette. Hopefully he's a little more healthy. Um, obviously you continue to say, hopefully he's a little more healthy, but he looks like a better player to me um, decidedly. And and I thought he stood out today a good few times and then drew lock i think called him a beast in the pass and the run game afterwards so um that was a kind of a revelation for me I, I i just didn't think they improved the room that much uh by making that trade and and after seeing him out there in pads and and getting his nose in there i think they did improve that room quite a bit and i think the combination of noah fant uh and nick vanette can be a very good tight end combination to start things off yeah, I think so too, and that that's a really good point to bring him up because the very first pass he caught yesterday when I was out there at practice, I said, 88, this guy? This is Nick Van, are we sure we, that's not Albert O right now? Because I totally agree, he surprised me with his athleticism and speed. But would you say that Nick Vanette, quote, is a monster? Like Drew Locke said. <laughs> I mean, I, I love that. I, lo- I love him saying that. It makes me feel good. I'm just not really necessarily willing to go to that level of praise with him. But that being said, the glimpses I had of him on Friday, even though it was uh, no pads that day was just when they had him out there in, in the blocking game in particular, just wherever this, whatever side he was on, whatever was the strong side, it just seemed steadier in run blocking 
and on the occasions he stayed home in pass pro with him there helping out the tackles and offering and offering a chip when when need be. He's going to be DeMar Dotson and Garrett Bowles' best friend this year. Yeah, no, he I don't know. I think monster is a little bit much, but uh, he's a hoss. Like, I'll give him that. He's a big dude. Uh, and, and again, he stood out to me in a, in a good way across the practice. So, uh, that's, that's exciting. I think, you know, that just wasn't something I was expecting to see today, uh, that, you know, made me feel better about this Broncos team. So you're saying he may not be a monster, maybe a beast. According to pro football reference, his nickname is baby Gronk, just like probably 10 other tight ends out there. I thought baby Gronk, I thought baby Gronk was all the younger Gronks that cycled their way through Denver over the course of their time. Uh, The the Broncos got every, it seemed like they were getting almost every Gronk except the one that you really wanted. Yeah. (laughs) All I know is that according to Von Miller, uh, Travis Kelsey is fake Gronk head ass. (laughs) <laughs> and with that ryan <laughs> thank you for joining high. us yeah. today on this first segment and for all the live listeners out there why don't you jump over to the podcast when we post it to get all of the questions in from the listeners make sure you leave those questions and if you're listening to the podcast version make sure to check us out in the noon hour after practices we're breaking down every practice live so ryan Thanks for joining us. And Mace, let's jump into the pod. Thanks for continuing to roll with us. And before we go further and get to your questions, got to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. And this is the time we've all been waiting for. Broncos training camp is here. Avs in the playoffs. Nuggets in the playoffs. Rockies off to a hot start. This is what we've been looking for. And DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go for all of this specifically playoffs for basketball and they're having it all on DraftKings Sportsbook which is America's top rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season and now it's playoff time and for playoffs they're putting you in the center of the action. To celebrate the first round of the playoffs DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a $10 free bet So head to the app right now, check out all they have, put in that $20 on a bet, and then you'll get that $10 free dollar bet. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 on all first round action. So use that code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And if you win at DraftKings, and hey, if you've been betting on the over, what I've been telling you to for pictures going up against the strikeout-prone Atlanta Braves, if you do that, you know what? You've got a little money. You want to celebrate. What better way to celebrate than with the fine brews of Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, of course. You want to make sure you get some of that avalanche amber as well. You can get it at your local grocery store or go down to Costco. They've always got Breckenridge Brews in stock. Supporting our partners, of course, is supporting us during this crazy time. And a big part of supporting our partners is 
getting out to the farmhouse. If you're in the Denver area, that outstanding restaurant they've got down at their brewery in Littleton, right off of Santa Fe. I like to think of it as pub grub taken to a higher level. You can get some cheese curds there that are the best that you're going to find outside of Wisconsin. So to go to, go to the farmhouse, you can call 303-803-1380. Make your reservation. Of course, they've got proper social distance, adhering to all the regulations in this pandemic. But if you just want to pick up, call that number, 303-803-1380. Use the magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. And, of course, you can get not only food, but also any of those Breckenridge Brew, Avalanche, Amber, Colorado, Core, Hot Peak, Strawberry Sky, Manila Porter Jr., as we like to call it, in honor of MPJ, who's playing right now in the playoffs, and much more. Recreation Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. And also, don't forget about that 15-can sampler. You can get it at a lot of your grocery stores, or you can get it through Drizzly. Mm, sounds delicious, May. Something else that sounds delicious is talking to the people. Let's jump into the comment section. And first one is for you, my friend. Yes, it's from Count Locula, who says, is Munch at all on the hot seat if this O-line can't be serviceable? Love the count. And Ubeni Lava says, you're a damn poet, Count. We love you, and we do love you, Count. But no, no, Munch should not be on the hot seat, really, regardless of whatever happens. Uh, I'm giving Munchek the benefit of maybe a decade. He gets a benefit of the doubt. Um, and I think if, if the offensive line isn't serviceable i think it's because of the talent that's on it not the not the coach coaching them right and i think the offensive line if if it keeps graham glasgow and dalton reisner healthy even though you're going to worry about the tackles the o-line will only be but so bad when you've got two tackles like that and i think they're going to make whoever emerges at center quite quite serviceable i'd say beyond serviceable really of course right now you've got austin schlopman and patrick morris who have taken snaps on the first team at center and drew lock says hey he's also taking some snaps from lloyd cushionberry as well you got to get used to all three of them uh, as they figure out who it's going to be but the interior core of that offensive line is going to be good and i think that's going to be enough to certainly say okay even if tackles are struggling let's certainly bring Munchak back, back. I think letting him go under any circumstances would be a huge, huge mistake. Yeah, totally agree. And I don't think they will. Loch Ness Monster chimes in. Mace, if you're exasperated, screw this. Doesn't perfectly represent 2020 as a whole. I don't know what does. I know you were frustrated, but it made my day. So hopefully that's some semblance of a silver lining. In any case, I love your guys' coverage, even in the face of an unprecedented training camp year. Keep it up. And don't stop being awesome. DNV Army, salute Loch Ness Monster. You want to know the funny thing? I thought because the sound was out, I did not realize that anybody had heard screw this until it was brought up on social media last night. So. Oh, we all heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it, it's my Beano Cook moment. The late Beano Cook was on ESPN for a long time, and uh, was, there was an issue with his earpiece. And he can see him at one point kind of looking up and yelling, tell him I can hear, tell him. And he got slammed. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bino Cook's one of my professional heroes. So it stands to reason I would have a moment like he did. Well, Drew Locke <laughs> and Vic Fangio may say, screw this if fumbles happen. Next one yes. coming in from Fumbles says, 
How much do you think the O-line woes are them struggling versus the defensive line just being that good? Can we put tackle for round one in next year's draft in ink? Fumbles. You know what? The only reason I'm not going to put it in ink just yet is because there is a certain protege of Mike Munchak who is scheduled to be on the market if he is not re-signed, and that is the great, and I don't use that term lightly, the great Alejandro Villanueva. You could argue that Villanueva and his development from being a tight end at Army, a raw lump of clay when he came to Pittsburgh after Philadelphia had cut him, uh, his development into one of the truly outstanding offensive tackles in this game today is entirely a result of Mike Munchak. He is the prized pupil, the perfect protege of Mike Munchak. And yeah, he's getting into his 30s because, of course, he had his postgraduate service time coming out of West Point. But I think he's still got plenty in the tank. And if Pittsburgh doesn't want him back for 2021, even though it's a deep tackle class let next year, you do think long and hard about reuniting Villanueva and Munchak. So that's the only reason why I'm saying first-round tackle I'm not putting it in ink just yet. Yeah. But if they don't I sign a Villanueva, I feel, I think you can put it in ink that they're going to take a tackle in round one. Yeah, what you can put in ink is there will be a big investment in tackle, mm-hmm. whether that's free agency, like you're saying, Mace, especially with Villanueva or in the draft. Yeah, that's you can tell I'm a fan. Can you tell I'm a fan of Villanueva? I just, there are very, there are very few players anymore. And this is just part of having covered the game for a long time that I really like love to watch, but I love to watch Alejandro Villanueva play. Yeah, I certainly can. I thought you were going to say, can you tell I love Garrett Bowles? Ah! (laughs) Low country Bronco. Hey, boys, I got to say, after watching Melvin Gordon's interview with Denver Media today, I'm really starting to like this guy. He says all the right things and seems to be very professional. Well, of course, low country Bronco. He went to Wisconsin. (laughs) Uh, And I know people are going to say, oh, what about, uh, you know, what about Monte Ball? Monte had issues that he had to work through he had an illness get alcoholism he's doing a lot better now so yes i think melvin's power and thus his tackle breaking ability will earn him a lot of touches especially in the red zone and late in games to move the chains and keep the clock ticking my not so hot take is melvin gets more touches this season also to hear him say drew is fiery and is a perfectionist should make everyone feel awesome because this quality is what makes all great athletes great especially qb where there is such little room for error that's all LCB. Yeah, I thought Melvin Gordon killed the press conference, definitely won the press conference yesterday. And of course, we know Phil is a guy who wins press conferences as well. So that's a good backfield in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything being said about Drew and being thrown on the field and everything we hear behind the scenes is only great about Drew, which is exactly what you want to hear because that, even though, you know, Joe Flacco was making some plays last training camp, we weren't hearing these exact same things and players weren't preaching to this ability. Um, last year about court in the past many years about their quarterback so it is really good yeah very good point locked in can we spend a minute to thank the football gods for helping the broncos out over the past three years i mean we have two undrafted players who are stars in Lindsay and johnson not to mention chubb slipping to five judy slipping to 15 and passing on lock three different times but still managing to get him if you could tell, if you would tell anyone these picks were still going to be there, the pick you were, they were taking, you'd be called crazy. My only question for today is if Locke wasn't there in 2020 in the, in the, or in the second round, who would be the Broncos 2020 QB? Luckily, we don't have to experience that. Wow. That Yikes. is a great question. And here's kind of just my own view on it. 
you had a very good free agent quarterback class as far as uh, that position goes that was on the market this past spring. So I'm going to guess that it would have been one of those guys or it would have been Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going Justin Herbert. I think it would have been him. Uh, I don't think the Broncos would have gone four and one last year to finish the season without Drew Locke. So I think they'd have a much better pick. But even if they were sitting behind the Chargers, I think the Broncos would have made a move to get to four to be able to take Justin Herbert as the second quarterback in the draft. Yeah. And, uh, Man, that would have – oh, if they had taken Justin Herbert with two on the board, I <laughs> – I would have gone nuts. Yeah, I think we all would have. But, uh, yeah, you just would have had to trust that they, uh, that they knew what, what they were doing. But uh, I, would, I will say this. Um, if they had been in that scenario, I wouldn't sleep on the Broncos being a team that would have given Jameis Winston much more money than he ended up getting from the Saints in free agency and having Jameis be the starter in 2020 and hoping that they could revive him. Mm, buckle up for a crazy year. If that was the case, it would be entertaining. I'll tell you that. Hey, you know what? I'm convinced that he's going to be the next ex-Buck quarterback who exceeds what he did in Tampa Bay. Absolutely. <laughs> next one from Rob. I've heard a lot of good news coming out of training camp about Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is a Bronco? I don't believe it. Is there someone on the pod that can confirm that Jerry Judy is a Bronco? What did the Broncos have to give up in a trade to get them in the top five to draft him? <laughs> Man, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I, I was talking with Devontae Bosby after practice today, and uh, he expressed a similar sentiment as Cream Jackson did about his, about his ability to uh, run routes. And actually, he basically said that everything Jerry Judy does is terrific. Yeah, And I asked him, I said, okay, are you surprised that a rookie looks like this? And he said the reason why he wasn't surprised was because he did watch him at Alabama. He knew, of course, and we all knew that he had, they had greatness, but I think they had greatness in him based on what he showed at Alabama. But I think still the fact that he's showing it this early, I think that's what's most remarkable, and he's showing it against everybody he's going against. I think RK had the tweet today where he said, yeah, I can't tell who was covering him because – you know what? The coverage was so far away. <laughs> yeah, it's a great line right there. Next one coming in from maybe the dingo ate your baby. Well done, Zach. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, Mace. <laughs> Always looking for your approval there. Oh, Has there yeah. been a Justin Holland sighting yet? Or should we just assume that he's not making the team and Justin Stranod will be assuming his role as middle inside linebacker? Thanks. Oh. Uh, good question. Justin Hollins has been working with the outside linebackers mostly so far. He actually did get a couple of pressures on Friday working with the reserves when I saw him. Did you notice anything from Justin on Sunday when you were out at practice at? Mace, I didn't see anything from him. I did see Malik Reed making some plays. So yeah. to me, it seems like Malik is clearly still ahead of him in terms of the outside linebackers. Well, he's more an actual for it. And I, I do wonder if the pick of Justin Stranod this year was partially because with Justin Hollins, they were kind of trying to figure out, is he an inside linebacker? Is he an outside linebacker? He's athletic, so maybe he can grow and, and work his way into a bigger role. Whereas with Justin Stranod, 
you know he can be an inside linebacker. You know he can be a coverage linebacker. You're not talking about versatility and athleticism with Justin Chernod. Not that he isn't a bad athlete, but you are talking about somebody who knows what he's doing in his role and doesn't have to be trained to do something different than he was doing in college. Yeah, it's got to be so tough on a rookie, Mace, to bring them in and have them learn two positions and have them learn a position that they haven't played a lot of. That is such – I mean, just, just like we talked about Demarcus Walker, that's, that's so tough that they bounced him around his rookie year. If you're going to do that, do it when they're an established player and when they say, yes, I can, I can take that responsibility. They don't feel like they have to. And the other thing is if you have somebody like that, let them focus on one thing and, yeah. getting, and getting it right first. Now, there are occasional unicorns for whom this is different. My guy Isaiah Simmons going down to Arizona. You want to use him all over the place because he's already shown that he can flourish all over the place. Right. Yeah, that's a good but point. He, but he's a first-round pick, and Justin Hollins was a mid-round pick for a reason. I mean, shoot, if it were my defensive board uh, – look, Isaiah Simmons was, the top, was at the top of my defensive board in the draft. I would have taken him as high as, like, one or two if I needed somebody like that and then figured out how to use him. Just instead of said, I'm building my defense – on this guy's unusual talents. And Justin Hollins is kind of Isaiah Simmons light, I guess you could say, or light, light. <laughs> yeah, extra, extra What's light. lighter than light, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, Coke Zero, right? Isn't that uh, even lighter than a uh... – <laughs> No, well, Coke Zero is actually – I mean, it, it's they both have zero calories, but, uh, I mean, Coke Zero to me is much more reflective of actual Coke than Diet Coke. <laughs> Anyway, oh, man, I like that. Mark IT snatches. Hey guys, at the risk of repeating other comments, there are some understandable concerns at offensive line, given how many new pieces there are right guard center and the ever rotating right tackle to a position group that takes naturally longer to develop its, its rhythm than others. How long do the early camp struggles before you become genuinely concerned? And what positive signs do you look for during those struggles that put your mind at ease? Since we pretty much hit on the season, we'll finish off the league next off season for the sake of brevity. Okay, well, that's a good question. Now, first of all, I think you've got to start with having reasonable expectations. And reasonable expectations dictate that this O-line is probably going to be a work in progress for most of the season. Yep. And you're going to see bumps. You're going to see mistakes. Uh, you're just hoping to minimize them as much as possible. And someone like Nick Vanette, who Drew Locke talked about today and uh, said he's a monster, right? Nick Vanette is playing like a monster. Yep. Nick Vanette is going to be somebody that you need to help out all over the, uh, all over the place, left side and right side, uh, chipping uh, with, with the blockers there. So, yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say, though, as far as the new pieces, Graham Glasgow as a new piece, I'm not worried about him at all after watching him in practice on Friday. I think he's going to be fine. Center, the beauty of the center is that they're going to have Glasgow and Dalton Reisner flanking him. I yeah. think that's going to work out okay. Although to me, uh, unless Morris or Schlopman are spectacular, I'm getting Lloyd Cushenberry out there right away and, work, and living with the bumps because then you're saying, all right, he's going to learn from his mistakes. And I do know that Lloyd Cushenberry will learn from things that go wrong. I agree. I, I definitely agree with that, Mace. Love Thunder down under. It's week seven, and the Chiefs have come to Denver. Our D-line is fresh and angry. The Chiefs' O-line is a mess. Missing a, center, a starter at center, a below-average right tackle, and a struggling left tackle. 
Broncos record zero sacks, two pressures on the day. Just how beeping angry are you that the D-line put up that production? Furious. So I'd say I'm okay with the D-line wrecking that poor excuse for an offensive line we put out there Sunday. Cushenberry will be for sure an upgrade over Morris, and I think Dotson will be over Wilkinson. I have to say, as cool it is it as it is learning Judy is struggle is is strutting his stuff. The single best clip I've seen is KJ Hamler demoralizing Harris on that one clip. That is exciting. If Hamler is as quick as fast as that, good night. How's this for a formation? Sutton out outright, Fant, Judy, and Hamler bunch trips left. Fant motions out, leaving Hamler and Judy bunches bunched inside. Yikes. So the question. What are we learning? Re the Pat Shermer offense so far. What is standing out? I think what we're learning about the Shermer offense is it's going to have a variety of formations, variety of personnel groups. I think we're going to see that we are going to see a fair amount of, of three wide sets. I also think uh, you're going to see two tight end sets in bunches as well, and Noah Fant effectively used as a third wide receiver. I think those are the things that kind of that kind of jump out. I mean, we've already seen the formation where you've got K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Noah Fant all out there, the kind of the pick-your-poison package in terms, of, in terms of accounting for a lot of extreme athleticism. So I think we're just going to see a bunch of different looks. It's going to be a variety. And I think it might be hit or miss as well as they figure out which, one, which packages work better and which ones don't. Yeah, uh, from what I've seen so far from Pat Shermer's offense is a lot more creativity than we've seen in years past, which is just huge because you have the pieces to be creative without a doubt. 100%. Dan, Dan Burke, hey guys, Zach and Mace, you nailed it, Dan. Appreciate the coverage so far. Who are some of the your younger guys that are long shots to make the roster? I know y'all have been you have you all have to say objective where you can, although I love that RK is unabashed about which players he likes and dislikes, but there are, but are there any sleepers that you're looking for? Well, Dan, you mentioned in the next paragraph, I'm rooting for Calvin Anderson. I'd like to see him do well. I wouldn't call him a sleeper, but in the number three cornerback competition, I really want to see Devontae Bosby do well. I liked watching him in the AAF. I've always, I've liked talking to him in the locker room over the, and, of course, now not in the locker room, but with distance over the last year or so. And I just – I like the mentality that he brings, I, I, the, kind of the give-no-quarter uh, aspect of his game. I mean, he just he, he just has a certain energy, a certain vibe, a certain swagger that is unaffected even when he's beaten. And I, I like the aggr- aggression with which he plays. And I think Bosby, if he, pl- if he plays extensively, I think he ends up with three or four picks this year. And I think that's something that uh, – Vic Fangio wants to see. He wants to see takeaways. I think he gives you the best shot at that among the veterans that are in the mix for that number three cornerback. So I definitely, uh, I definitely root for him. And um, I think he's not a sleeper, but Drew Locke alluded to how everyone in the locker room is rooting for Jake Butt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think every, every fan is rooting for Jake Butt as well. And a guy that I just have to throw the name out there, talked about him pretty much every day. Uh, Levante Bellamy, he's a guy that just seems like he brings a little more juice than Royce Freeman and wouldn't be surprised if he got the third spot. And it's been good to see him overcome some rough stretches on Friday. Like I mentioned that seven-on-seven period where he had a, he had a clean drop and then he had a drop of a, of a low pass as well. But then later on, I, as I point out in my story on Friday, I talked about how he hit the hole aggressively. And a little subtle thing that I like is he does a good job. When he gets through that hole, he does a good job of covering the ball so nobody can, can poke it out. That's a veteran fundamental right there. 
Yep. And then Dan Burke just touches on Kendall Hinton uh, with him having a TD pass from Rippin yesterday. And yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was good. Now he, he, he's a real big time sleeper to make the team. Uh, maybe the practice squad though. Yeah, I'd say so. Although I think, uh, I mean, I, he's got a chance to make an impression, but the problem with Kendall Hinton is that, uh, you know, he's, he, he's in a really, really deep spot. That's, that's working against him. Exactly. Exactly. Missouri Broncos says, good day, gents. All this coverage must have got the company deep in my mind. I dreamt last night that DNVR held a massive business seminar where RK was the head of it. Mace talked about marketing, Zach was sales and more. The weirdest part, it was all held at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, I think he was just seeing the future, Mace, because we're proud to announce our business uh, um, present presentation that we're going to ha have at Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, yeah, that's uh, amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, your dream, this is one dream where I know there's no basis in reality because if, DN, if, if they said to me, hey, Mace, you're going to be in charge of marketing, I'd be like, fine, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I because for a few years when I was with the Broncos the first time the website worked under marketing and I absolutely hated being in the marketing department it was because what they did and what I was doing in terms of content it was just it they didn't mesh it, it was you know not on the same page and uh I didn't see the world the way that the marketing department did. So I want nothing to do with marketing. <laughs> Loud and clear. Well, good yeah. thing we've got you on the Broncos side then. Mace. Yeah. Yeah. LDJ. I just want to say gratitude and commend your coverage on training camp. You're doing an awesome job. No offense to Denver media. It's tough to watch the live training camp with cameras so far away because of social distance. I love your recaps. Instead, I want to ask you a question. I know it's only been two days, no pads, but, isn't this how good camp goes? The defense dominates and the offense responds. From all I can gather and being transparent and honest, I'm gathering that, one, the offensive line is going to be mediocre to slightly below average at best when they figure out the right combo. Two, Jerry Judy is an unattainable beast, who I strongly believe they're going to unleash in the slot against Chris and the Chargers this year. Wink, wink, but a beast. I'm blown away at his hands. That was an issue in college, but he's plucking the balls out of the sky. Number three, Locke is going to give it his all and do his best despite having to make plays with his terrible low line. Number five, so we skipped four. The defense is on a mission from the football gods, LOL. And finally, number six, I said, if A.J. Johnson, Devontae Bosby, and Draymond Jones play well, this defense will be extremely elite. I'm two for three on those players thus far because Shelby is such a beast. Draymond can't get in with the ones. Geesh, LOL. How did no one sign Shelby? SMH, LOL. Is that a fair assessment or am I being unrealistic so far? And what are your thoughts on Jake Butt? I'm cheering hard for him, really hard. Also, Bosby, OMG, I'm so excited for him. If national media has disrespected the Broncos, Denver media has disrespected Bosby. People completely forgot about him and just gave the corner three to Ojemudia. That bothered me, but it was a short time, but Bosby played very well. I haven't been in, in, in ignoring Bosby. I don't think we've been ignoring Bosby. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think any of us have been ignoring Bosby, at least on this podcast. We're big fans of him. You know what Bosby can do? He can play football, and he can make plays, and that is, is huge to have from your third cornerback. You got those other two guys locking it down. Bosby will have the opportunity to make plays, so I'm right there with you, LDJ. Um, and, yeah, A.J. Johnson really seems to, to be coming along. Vic seems to be happy with him. Uh, and Todd believes that he's going to take it the next step, which would just be huge to have a superstar and a star and a pro bowler in the middle of your defense. And you'd have those at every single level of your defense. Yeah. LDJ continues. Yo, LOL. Can we shout out KJ Hamler? My mom, bro. She, she ceases to amaze me. She's made me cry. 
and the response to Zach's tweet, she's awesome. KJ Handler's mom, okay. I've been busy. <laughs> I miss this. She, uh, she saw my tweet yesterday where I reported that KJ was walking off the field uh, about 10 minutes before practice ended, and she responded to that and said, right when I saw this tweet, I called KJ to get the scoop. <laughs> she's uh she says she finds out all her news via twitter and i think uh she may be addicted to twitter as we are mace oh yeah well i'm trying to break that addiction a little bit yeah that's healthy that's for sure yeah jersey bronco my boys thank you for the awesome coverage so far i know you guys briefly mentioned that training camp can't be viewed as the be-all end-all for an individual player or team overall e.g case keenan looking like an mvp or Mahomes being an int machine his first campus starter what things should we be looking to see? What can we view as good or bad for Drew Locker for the team as a whole? I want to know if I should buckle up for the hype train going full speed ahead or if I should restock the whiskey cabinet for another disappointing season. Love from Jersey. Okay, here's the first lesson of training camp. Obviously, we're doing day-to-day reports. But emotionally, don't get too caught up in the day-to-day. Instead, focus on the aggregate of, say, over a few days. I think... When the Broncos have their next off day, that might be a good point for us to kind of say, okay, who are the players that have jumped out? Who are the players that have struggled? Because by that point, the Broncos will have had six days of work. And that's a sample size that you can work with. Yeah, exactly. And I'm certainly not going to tell you to not be hyped on Drew Locke after he's looked pretty darn good these first three practices. But you may want to uh, hold back your bet of him being the MVP right now, not getting too hyped. And Mace, you're exactly right. You just got to take it, uh, take a step back near the end of training camp and see where it's at. Especially when Drew Locke himself today on his conference call uh, said a lot of good things, but he did also say that, yeah, there are going to be opportunities to be aggressive and kind of play to himself. But he also said, quote, taking care of the ball is the number one thing for us, unquote. Remember, this is a team where the defense and the running game are probably going to have things figured out before the passing game does in terms of being consistent. And you don't want to put the defense in, in bad positions. You want to make sure you're helping them out and, and saying, okay, early in the season as the offense grows and develops and learns, it's okay to win a game 14 to 10. That's fine. Right. Yes, it very much is. And that's one thing I've been very impressed with Drew so far is his, he's not really turning the ball over at mm-hmm. all. And that is huge. That is huge. Just, just as, just as much as the 60 yard passes are huge. The old Brock Osweiler quote, ball security is job security. <laughs> now he didn't show enough ball security, which is why he lost his job a few weeks later to Paxton Lynch. But I think that applies here. I think Drew Locke will do a better job of that than Brock Osweiler did. And May, speaking of ball security, manscaped.com. If you want to make sure that those things are secure and looking nice and tight, make sure to go to manscaped.com. Order that lawnmower 3.0. It's a piece of art, guys. It's waterproof, has an LED light, has a 90-minute battery. They spent 18 months making this thing perfect so that you can, sh- you can use it for as long as you want, wherever you want, to make sure that you have the ball security that you are looking for yourself. Because as we know, Mace, ball security is job security, uh, as Brock Osweiler said. So go to manscaped.com. Not only check out the Lawnmower 3.0, but 
check out the other products they have. The Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. Those things are crucial during summer times, especially when we're out there watching training camp practice, Mace. I'm going out there tomorrow. It's supposed to be 98 degrees. Man, I'm going to need to make sure I got those products on. Uh, and But then also, when you're sitting inside, you probably want the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. It's a luxury four-piece set for everything, nails, trimming, uh, the, your eyebrows. The, the Shears 2.0 is a great thing to add with the Perfect Package 3.0. So make sure to head to manscaped.com and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. So check them out, manscaped.com. Smash that magical code DNVR20. Now, if you've been using your Manscaped gear, you're good to go for a round of golf on one of those hot, smoky days that we're seeing in Denver right now. I guess if you have to be outside, you, know, you want to be clean down south the equator. But maybe you want to stay inside and avoid the smoky air. I can't blame you. I'm trying to do the same thing. So in that case, get your golf fixed by playing WGT Golf and joining the DMVR3 Clubhouse. Of course, DMVR and DMVR2 Clubhouses, they're full, but DMVR3 Clubhouse set up so you can have the same fun that we're having over in the other two clubhouses, playing tournaments, etc. WGT Golf, it's the most popular golf game in the world and the official gaming partner of DMVR. Download WGT and join that DMVR3 Clubhouse by going to dmvrgolf.com. Of course, WGT Golf, you can play some of the greatest courses in the world right there on your smartphone, your desktop, your laptop, your app, whatever, your your tablet whatever you've got you can play pebble beach beth page black st andrews wolf creek the ocean course at kiowa island my personal favorite and more and of course if you want to have some fun just play the top golf experience if you can't get out the top golf play a version of top golf and aim for the targets right there on wgt golf and rk would be talking about the, the brands of clubs and golf balls he likes to play with you can simulate that on WGT Golf as well. They got Titleist, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, and more. So go to dnvrgolf.com. Join the DMVR Clubhouse 3 and download WGT Golf today. Ooh, Benny Lava checking in. The Broncos are back, baby. My favorite time of year. How has the inside linebacker depth looked thus far? In particular, Stranod and Watson. It's hard to tell just by looking at the highlights that the team releases, but Watson looks like he's flying around. Is it fair to say RIP to Josie Jewell, or is he too valuable on special teams? Much love, family. So stoked to be rolling with y'all on another training camp. You know, I'd be shocked if Josie Jewell didn't make the team in some form or fashion just because of special teams and also because he's stable. He knows the scheme. You know what you're getting with Josie Jewell. He's reliable as a backup. Not what you want in coverage, obviously, but I think Josie Jewell's going to be a part of it. Yeah, Josh Watson was making some plays on Friday when I was out there as well. doesn't surprise me to see him uh, kind of carrying it, carrying it over. Stranod actually had a, a pressure that led to, that, uh, led to an errant throw. Uh, the Broncos brought him on a blitz on Friday, and he was able to dis disrupt the quarterback. So we know about him in coverage, but it's good to see him doing some more stuff that kind of reflects his all-around abilities as a linebacker as well. So... Yeah, I think Jewel makes the team, but I also th I think Josh Watson and Justin Stranod are both going to be in the mix on the 53 when all is said and done. Yeah, and I think Josh Watson will be a practice squad guy because I think the Broncos will believe that they'll be able to get him down to the practice squad. Mace, he was making plays on Friday when you were there. He was making plays yesterday and I, when I was there, a diving interception off the hands of uh, a ball that hit off the hands of Albert O. So 
Uh, if he make, keeps making plays, then you're right. He's not going to be on the practice squad. He'll be on the 53. Been impressed with him so far. Absolutely. The other Ryan. My boys. Happy padded practice Monday. From what Mason Zach have observed so far at training camp, it sounds like the running back's been heavily involved as pass catchers due to heavy defensive pressure. Besides check down throws, has there been much in the way of screen passes, wheels, and other design routes for the running backs? Have the Broncos been working on screens with their other receiver groups? As always, thanks for the best coverage in Broncos country. DNV Army salute. Well, I did see some, uh, some screen work on, on Friday, uh, not only with the running backs, but with the receivers as well. But uh, don't recall any wheel routes jumping out. Yeah, well, that's good to hear, Mace, because I actually didn't see a single screen run yesterday. I do imagine that that's going to be a part of the game plan. So I'm not certainly not based off one practice, not concerned that that's not going to be a part of the plan. Um, but yeah, it, I didn't see any deep throws to running backs. It, it wasn't wheel routes designed to go 40 yards downfield. Like I said yesterday, just a ton of check down passes where sometimes Drew was having to sling them in there and sometimes he was putting a nice touch on it to get it in there just based off the pressure. Absolutely. C. Fillmore, 72. Dear Mighty Three, greetings from the UK. I'm three or four days behind with the pod, so forgive me if this has come up in your recent pontifications. I love the tight end position. Great chemistry between QB and a tight end is a regular, if not essential, hallmark of successful teams. How many tight ends do you see making the final roster, including practice squad, and who do you think they will be? All the best to you and yours, Christopher. Well, I think Drew Locke loves his tight ends as well because he's hitting Noah Fant regularly, and he described and he, of course, described Nick Vanette as a monster in what he's doing so far. So you can put those two in Sharpie. I think you can also put Albert O in Sharpie just because of his draft status. Then it becomes a question, okay, is it going to be four or five? And, of course, that's because Andrew Beck, he can be a fullback, he can be an H-back, he can be a tight end. And I think they find room for Andrew Beck. But if Jake Butt, is doing too well to be ignored they'll find a way to keep him even if it means five tight ends in that room yeah I'm not writing Jake Bud off that he can't make the roster at all mm-hmm. um because just of the upside Mace, you don't keep a guy around for three full seasons just to cut him you, you don't do that or two full seasons just to cut him you don't do that so he will get the benefit of the doubt but he has to stay healthy all the way up until cut date. If he does that and continues to show the progress that we've seen, I do think he makes a roster, and that'll come at the expense of maybe a wide receiver position. Uh, Probably not offensive line depth, but it's going to come at at, at an expense to someone else. But he will have the doubt because they've invested in him quite a lot. Or it's possible that maybe the Broncos ride with two quarterbacks on the 53 and they try to slip Brett Ripper into the practice squad. Yeah. That's another place where it can come from as well. That's a good point. Polish Filipino, you guys alluded to Shermer being upset with Fangio because of how much pressure his defense dialed up yesterday. So do the offensive and defensive coordinators each run their own game plans for practice and not collaborate beforehand on what they will be working on? I was, uh, I was, I was kind of kidding when I said that. I don't think Pat okay. Shermer is actually mad at Vic Fangio there. Um, but and Yes, they do collaborate on what they're working on too. Now, they're not going to – part of it is you don't want the players to – like the offensive players to know what the defense is working on. But at the same time, the coaches do know – like every offensive coach knows what the defense is going to dial up, generally speaking, on that play. It's about because, – because they want to get certain looks as well. Right, and you want to put your players sometimes in uncomfortable positions. And right. so, so sometimes – 
the coordinators during training camp will set their players up for failure. And that's why you can't look at one specific play and say, oh, this guy had a great practice. This guy had a terrible practice. Is because sometimes they are, they are supposed to – well, not supposed to fail, but they're put in bad positions. Because, Mace, in every single game, no matter how good the play caller is, uh, some, some of your players are going to be put in bad positions, and you want to see how they respond. In fact, I remember Vic's talking about this last year. He said, yeah, sometimes we do put guys in bad positions because I want to see how they respond to those. Absolutely. And wrapping it up here from Sam, longtime subscriber, first-time commenter. Welcome. As people have been posting Final 53 roster projections, I've been having a thought about how roster math could be different this year. Don't you think the expanded practice squad, the need for COVID reserves, and the ability to call up two players per, per game might change the math? Usually you'd simply keep the best 53, but now I feel you may keep a player less likely to clear waivers, but cut a more talented but lesser-known player to store in the practice squad. The example I think of is if they liked Austin Fort more than Jake Butt, they still might cut Fort because they'd be able to stash him on the practice squad and call him up on game day and keep Butt, who'd probably be claimed on waivers as a reserve tight end. Thanks. Well, roster construction has always involved that, even though you didn't have the call-up. But you've often had guys who maybe could have helped you more right away get cut in favor of a draft pick who probably had more long-term potential. This does alter things for this year, and I do, I do think you make a good point in regards to tight end. That being said, Austin Ford, as Vic Fangio noted today, he's out four to eight weeks, so uh, that may be headed toward an injury settlement if he can't get if if he can't get healthy, especially what the Broncos have at tight end. They kind of have. It's really weird to say this, given where they've been at tight end the last few years, but they actually have an embarrassment of riches in terms of talent at the position. Yeah, you're 100% right, Mason. You just feel so bad for Austin Fort because he was showed a lot before he got hurt last year. And, Mace, the Broncos already have their Jake Butt on the roster mm -hmm. at tight end. Literally, Jake Butt is their Jake Butt, and you're not going to keep two of those guys around. So mm -hmm. uh, feel, feel, feel so bad for Austin Fort with that four- to eight-week timetable. I mean, shoot, Troy Fumagalli did some good things on Friday when I was out there. But yeah. barring injury, I just don't see room at the end for him. But you do have a chance to slip him through the practice squad, I think. And uh, that would make a lot of sense, even though I look at the Patriots and say, boy, oh, boy, those guys have got to get themselves some tight ends. Yeah, seriously. They tried in the draft this year. They went after uh, plenty of tight ends, I think two third-round tight ends there. So that could yep. be a landing spot for someone. And someplace where you can slip in, Mace, is Green Mountain Dental in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. And on top of that, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. They're a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, longtime DNVR partner. They've shown us the love, so make sure to show them the love as well. Check out Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today on this Monday edition. Thank you guys for kicking off your week with us. Maybe you kicked off your week with us yesterday as well. It's a blast rolling with you guys through training camp, figuring out everything that's going on just like you guys are. So thanks for rolling with us. We'll be at training camp practice tomorrow. I'll be there reporting to the guys tomorrow. So make sure to tune in to our live stream in the noon-ish hour, uh, Denver time, and then also on this podcast to get the full thing. Thank you guys. Have a great one. It's getting me